Have you seen a photo yeah. of this? Have you seen a photo of this guy? No, no, hang on, hang on. Let me look him up. Oh, also, tell me if you can hear me typing, because if you do, I'll just use my phone instead. <gasps> oh, no. He's kind right. of hot. Right, exactly. He's Mads Mikkelsen hot. No. The guy that we're going to spend the next, like, hour and a half comparing to, like, fucking Ray Blanchard and his, like, squadron of turf weirdos. Oh, no. He looks sort of, sort of sexy in a sort of, like, Imperial Stormtrooper Dom kind of way. Yeah, this is really upsetting. Oh, well. Oh, well. He had a stupid haircut, so it's fine. That's a very fascist haircut, really. Yeah, well, this is the thing that was at, like, it was also just, uh, the problem with the fash haircut, as someone who has unfortunately had to grapple with the fact that if you are, if you are trans, a trans-masculine person, uh, as, as I am, you have, you have two choices in your hair. Uh, if, you want, like, a, if you want, like, a stereotypically masculine haircut, like, you know, short, short, shortish on the back and sides and, and slightly longer on the top, is that you either get to look like a turf or you look like a fash. And it's because it's a very, like, sensible haircut. Uh, and it's As just people, like... People consider themselves to be, like, short back and size down to business about this idea. Yeah, it's like, it's like, as haircuts go, it's like utterly unsurprising that it was like, A, that the fascists picked it, and B, that it was like super popular. Because uh, it's, it's like easy to upkeep. It's got a lot of contrast. It adds height to the face. Uh, I spent too long thinking about the fashion haircut. Yeah, indeed. In fact, looking at this, this photo of our boy Trofim Lysenko, um, I think that what's going on here is that this is like the beginning of the promo. Like, you know, you know my my like hairline. It's like a very high hairline. It almost has a bit of a of a of a, a widow's peak. Um, mm. He's doing a thing which, if I had straight hair, I probably would do because my hairline doesn't recede at an even even pace on on like either side of the forehead. One one side of the forehead is 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 a little bit further back than the other, and I think he's done this comb over thing to disguise that and give himself a more even face. Which definitely makes sense given what's going on with these absolutely fucking Pyrenean cheekbones. Yeah, that does make sense. Anyway, um, should we try our intros? <laughs> oh yeah, how do you do podcast intros? Um, I was thinking basically just like, hello, welcome to Blood and Turf. I'm your host, <laughs> M, and this is, and then you'll say, hi, I'm E. <laughs> Because obviously we're not using our names, because we'll get sued eventually if this ever takes off. And then we'll start talking about how, how we're making the case that noted, noted academic sex pervert, Ray Blanchard, um, who is obsessed with like paedophilia or whatever, is essentially the modern day washed out equivalent of like absolutely balls to the wall weird Soviet high Stalinist era pseudoscientist mass murderer Shrofim Lysenko I think you just smashed it that's a great I think we should go with that in, uh, intro yeah I mean this is this is what I'm here for it's for, I'm here for the riffing <laughs> right yeah uh, 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 I, yeah I can do the trans stuff because I'm trans and you can do all the history stuff because you know things. Yeah, together. I'm history. Yeah, together. Right. So, <laughs> start by 
start by like like running me through what you do know of trans healthcare because enough people yell at you about it you must have picked up some of it by osmosis okay so what i what i've picked up from osmosis is like first of all i know like a lot more about um uh like healthcare for people who are who are going on i guess like the treatment that you would choose if you were amap oh so at like um uh like trans feminine people and like estrogenic treatment yeah i i think i have because i'm friends with more with more people who are trans feminine um, yeah. so i think i probably picked up more about like the the weirdities of that hormone cycle i don't know i, I don't know anything about those surgeries i know i know i know about the 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 the, the surgery where you get a dick basically because, because like you yeah because you and a couple of other people have explained that to me <laughs> i've just cornered you in a room at a pub after like some leftist meeting and be like let me tell no, you no it wasn't it was it was it was over a group chat thing because you were like showing me photos of um someone's a forearm where they had the drawings layout and i knew that the forearm thing was how it worked but i was i, I commented that i was quite surprised uh, how, oh, yeah. uh, how similar it was to a, a clothing pattern like they were yeah. like like shaded in with cross hatches and i was like what is this and, and you were like oh it's it's the dick pattern and i was like wow it looks like they're making a fucking waistcoat what's going on and you proceeded to explain the mechanics most of which i kind of vaguely knew because i understand it, the specifics of um so like i understand um like when it comes to drug stuff i know about like I know, like, why people make jokes about pickles and that kind of thing. Oh, but, fun fact, the medication um, spirolactone, which gives you the craving for salt, is not prescribed over here in the UK. So it's a US thing. So all of those pickle jokes made by bloody yank trans people. Oh, it's a fucking import. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's like imperialism, a yet again, those bastards. <laughs> Well, also, um, if people do self-medicate, which um, many people do, uh, they're, they're, they're also the easiest ones to get hold of. So, you know, oh, if I were... Because the it is, is where it all is. Yeah, I could say that it's an American psyop, a pickle-based psyop, but... Yeah, the Americans do love their pickles. Like, it's definitely, it's definitely a North America thing as well. Like, in North America, <laughs> Northern Europe, pickle Armageddon. Man. Right, like if, if it was the UK medication, we'd all be like, "Oh, I love a crisp sandwich. I'm having It'd a be marmite. It would be marmite. Every, every all the trans girls would just be fucking eating fucking twiglets nonstop." <laughs> yeah, basically. But instead, they're like, "Oh, it's pickles." Um, like our, now, our, our now, mutual friend Miss A would be even more obsessed with bringing packets of crisps to things. Oh God, yes. It would be like this is technically medication. This walkers may save your life. She can write as well. So um, getting back to the central thesis. Uh, <clears throat> the thesis that we're putting to the to the listener is that um, these two there's 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 some um, two famous people who you may have heard of, but they're also kind of esoteric. They've got that kind of esoteric fame where they're very well known to particular types of people. And Ray Blanchard is very well known to the LGBT community, particularly the 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 the, the latter consonant. Um, and the Marmite. The, the Marmite Brigade, yes. Um. And the other person is a rather strange figure from 
mid-early Soviet history called Trofim Lysenko. And the thesis that we have is that these are, structurally speaking, the same man. Yes. Um, so do you want to do the, do you want to run through Lysenko uh, and um, then I can run through Blanchard? Uh, I, think very start with, I think we should start with Blanchard. Start with Blanchard, okay. We're going to be listening to this, or either going to be like trans people who want to understand like where we're coming from with this rather like bizarre idea, or it's going to be like our cis friends from Twitter who are like, what? What's this? And I figure, Why have you done this? yeah, I figure that those of them who who haven't, for example, like memorized the contents of the the ContraPoints back catalog should at least be given a little bit of a briefing into into like a noted academic sex weirdo ray blanchard i'm gonna i'm not gonna ever say his name without calling him a sex weirdo by the way oh that's fine i i mean i'm pretty sure like if he uh, if he was like suing people with any efficacy efficacy um he, he, we would have heard more about it right <clears throat> i shall start to waffle yeah go ahead waffle about ray blanchard Okay, so Ray Blanchard, uh, if you are trans, uh, as you said, you will know him as the guy who is the burden of women's lives everywhere because he came up with some very interesting shit theories, uh, including, for cis people, the one that everyone talks about, which is like, if you have a bunch of brothers, each brother is more likely to be gay than the one previously. And he attributes this oh, to like... He came up with that? That's famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Does that actually yeah. have a basis in anything? No, it's to do, so his argument is that it's to do with, um, with uh, like endocrine changes. Essentially, like if, if, if you have too many manly men in a poor woman's womb, then it gets damaged by all the testosterone and the virility and therefore can, can, no, longer, can no longer produce virile men and, and can only produce, uh, you know, degenerates and, um, and, and, the, and the homosexualists and the like. Um, yeah, he proposed the theory known as fraternal birth order effect. The, uh, the number of older sisters apparently has no effect for some reason, even though obviously, as you may or may not know, every uh, single person got, like, barring endocrine defects, uh, has both testosterone and estrogen uh, production capacities. Um, but, and, and apparently it also has nothing to do with lesbians either. It's just his, it's part of his weird obsession with um, what he sees as, like, something to do with male homosexuality uh, and he also has a bunch of theories about pedophilia and uh autoerotic asphyxia and some other paraphilias and he his most famous paraphilia theory is of course of the autoginophile i'm probably not pronouncing that correctly isn't it gynophile i don't know like it's, it's it's such a it's such like an intellectually perjured concept that i think it's not even really like worth treating the respect of proper pronunciation yeah, it's um, it, so it's basically his term, the autogyno or gynophile, um, is basically for describing trans women who are attracted to women, uh, and um, he yeah. categorizes. Sorry, the the base, basic idea is that either either autogynophiles are like sneaky gays trying to attract straight men, yes, or they're or they're sneaky rapey guys trying to get in with women. Yes, exactly. And he's basically like, oh, all of these women doing all this women stuff, they're not doing it because it makes them happy. They're doing it because of some roundabout way of satisfying 
a fetish, which is where autogynophile comes from. Um, and he basically rose to prominence because he actually was a proponent of um, uh, like gender confirmation surgery, like uh, uh, sex reassignment surgery or, or bottom surgery, as a lot of people call it now. Um, so he was kind of like, he was, he was kind of an archetypal, trans people have a joke about how a lot of the clinicians who are the gatekeepers of our care are all chasers. And that is absolutely fucking true. And it's so true of people like Blanchard in that they're like, oh, these freaks, they're so weird. Why would anyone be nice to them? But also I am gonna like rate them on a scale of like bangability and like give them the treatment they need based on that. Um, and like, and there's, order- there's definitely this kind of like, I feel like with that, with that theory of the tra- of like the trans medical gatekeeper, that there's this like either spoken or unspoken assumption that what's going on is there's a little kind of like, there's a little kind of like Pavlovian psychosexual thrill trigger that fires off in the in the gatekeeper's head whenever whenever they are able to issue the tit skittles. Oh yeah, they get they're definitely getting off on it. And Ray Blanchard has basically put his whole career around get about his fetish. It's um a good, some good old projection essentially. Uh, and it's also like, very, it's very blatant. Like it's very very clear. Like it's it's the kind of thing where if you if you had a you, if you had Ray Blanchard as like a character in a film. People would say like, yeah, this is like a very good like, this is like a very perfectly all right like comedy character. But I feel like the, the the characterization is a bit too blatant about like how hypocritically horny he is. Yeah, it's like literally he's he, he's literally like breathing heavily whenever he writes out a prescription, and everyone's like, this is just this is not realistic, is it? Is it? Is it really? Um, unfortunately, it, it is, but uh, and it is for a lot of other clinicians as well. Um, but the Tufts obviously fucking love him because he was early in the game and he has all of these like, weird medical theories that they can be like, oh, well, you know, Ray Blanchard, PhD, says all this stuff. So it must be true. You know, even though every other like trans healthcare practitioner was like, this is bollocks. What are you on about? They've got Ray. They've got Ray. And that's all that matters. Um, right. So. Which is a parallel. Yeah, I guess. Um... It's 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 very it's a very interesting little conundrum of like how this man has has become has become so so he's he's got a he's got a very long shadow. I don't get the feeling he's quite a, he's remotely institutionally enfranchised anymore. But he's got a very long shadow, um, which arguably is the main area of departure from from the other figure in this weird in this weird little dialectic we're going to set up, because I guess like Lysenko doesn't really have a long shadow in terms of his ideas being accepted but at the time he had absolutely colossal uh, institutional power um the other the other area i think in which they differ is that is that i don't think ray blanchard has ever directly had anybody killed that obviously would be asking a bit much of him unless you know any weird rumors i do <laughs> I feel like if I knew the weird rumour that Blanchard had done some murders, it would not be a rumour. I would have leaked it to, like, I don't know, fucking Pink News or whoever listened to me. Um, no, I mean, the, I think the main difference is that Lysenko is a zealot in, in terms of, in terms of like, you know, the long shadow. Um, and also was, you know, the lead agronomist under Stalin, whereas uh, Blanchard has had influence over, like, a bunch of cranky evil doctors. So he's caused a lot of misery, but he's not—he's not shot anyone. The yeah, time, like all, all of the deaths that he might have caused will have been like through that kind of like weird kind of killing by percentages that happens, which is the same kind mm. of murder that civil servants 
where that where like they'll contribute one one that one one thousandth of a of a policy, and that policy will kill like two thousand people. So like arguably they significantly contributed to the deaths of maybe two people. If you if you have this kind of like weird very warped way of looking at the numbers, I very yep. much doubt, I very much doubt Ray Blanchard has ever killed anybody except perhaps by medical incompetence, but. <laughs> His, his ideas have, con have contributed to like the systemic preservation of an entire class of human beings. It's like uh, the bit in um, one of the Discworld novels where Moist von Lipwig, who's- Yes, uh, the, 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 when you steal from the bank um, and all of the stuff like rackets on and then, and then like the, the granny can't buy her cabbages and she dies. Yeah, 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 where the golem uh, pursues him and basically just yells out these percentages and gets- Yeah, and then it turns out that Moist has murdered 3.75 people. Mm. Because of his lovable scamp ways. And, and Blanchard is similar, except he's not a lovable scamp. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, and a, and so, like, I've been looking at this man's Wikipedia page and he, he just looks fucking god awful. Like, he's got this, like, like, nice but shit suit. This, like, very kind of, like, office, office worker management type tie. He's, like, this very kind of, like, clean-cut beard man. He just looks very terrible. Um, and then when I click back to the Wikipedia page for Trofim Lysenko, it's like the most incredible Bond villain looking man of all time here to give you the strap. It's bonkers. He looks wild. And it's just a black and white photograph of a guy who was obsessed with plants. Listen, agronomy can be cool. Yeah, agronomy does fuck, as we all know from the, the rise and crowning of the aubergine slash eggplant emoji. Um, should I explain who this man is? Because we've been kind of talking about him, and I don't, I don't think that necessarily all of the audience, if we ever get one, is 100% clued in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Currently, all the facts we know are um, uh, Blanchard is horny, Lysenko, you are horny about, and they're both evil. So, like, a little bit more background would be good. Right, so, um, Trofim Lysenko... Um, is this figure from the kind of 1930s through to the 1950s of the, of the Soviet Union. And he was a extremely politically powerful scientist. Um, and he was, he was like one of the most kind of like critical figures of the high Stalinist era. Um, and he had kind of his own like principality of ideology within within like the marxist leninist slash stalinist ideology that, that dominated the soviet union particularly dominated in a very specific way at the time and this was called lysenkoism and it's specifically related to like the biology of plants to uh, gen to genetics or rather a rejection of genetics um and to like ideas of how you could like grow crops and like change the nature of 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 like plant strains, um, and it was a pseudoscientific idea. It was complete bollocks. And the general concept is basically that um, what we now know as genetics—the idea of well, they didn't know about DNA at the time—but like the idea of of like um, like essentially Darwinian concepts of evolution was basically bollocks. He thought it was nonsense. Um, and that instead of things um, inheriting things via like a breeding system, you could inherit physical traits from your predecessors. Um, 
by being kind of like exposed to the same environment with them or in the case of plants having like grafts put on and the, the, the this like concept of like grafting plants onto each other was considered to be so powerful in changing the in changing the the physical nature of plants that he thought that you could literally like turn different kinds of fruits into each other and that you could you could make like plants that grew in the summer grow in winter if you did the right kind of like sequence of of um like grafting and like weird environmental exposure shit um he was fundamentally one of the most successful pseudoscientific con men in human history i think like i i could i think we could probably make the case that with the exception of like maybe the anti-vax movement and i think even then he'd be edging them out because he's like a single figure and they're they're a big conglomeration of weirdos he's probably the most successful con artist that didn't lead a country in human history um which is bad um because his con killed people and it was fundamentally scientifically incorrect um and the reason why we're connecting him to to this guy blanchard is it's not just because they're both pseudoscientists although they very much are it's kind of because of this other thing that that or like to my you might disagree with me about this e but like to my mind it's also about this other thing that, that Lysenko did, which was that um, he very enthusiastically participated in purges and like got rid of people, uh, by which I mean had them you know, sent to gulags and killed. He got rid of people who disagreed with him, who, who held to like Lamarckian or Darwinian theories of genetics. Sorry, sorry, um, Darwinian theories of genetics. He was a, a Lamarckian. Basically, he he kind of developed his idea off the, off the, the ideas of this guy called Lamarck, um, and then like heavily bastardized Lamarck's ideas to to develop his own to develop his own theory. Um, and I I kind of feel like this this combination of like a pseudoscientific theory being incorporated into like a fundamentally like oppressive worldview, and then being used to to like deliver political punishment to like members like respected members of scientific establishment who genuinely want to help people um which you know some gender clinic people probably do and i imagine you could probably speak at length at the the degree to which it breaks even on that front um i very much doubt that it does but <laughs> there you go it's changing it's changing yeah and like i i kind of feel like like the the influence of of blanchard in in like turfism and uh, quote-unquote gender-critical politics and, and the, the increasing like backlash against access to trans medical care is similar in some ways to this. It's like, it's like the, the mirror to this purge because while like Lysenko, the purges were all like based around his wishes, like who he opposed within the Soviet scientific establishment. Um, the the opposite is true for the for the kind of like Blanchard turf ecology of opinion, where Blanchard isn't like telling the turfs to like go and like purge a bunch of doctors from I don't know, is it Tavistock that's the name of one of the clinics? So Tavistock is the tr is the only British clinic that treats uh, under 18s and that's and that's why the turfs are so obsessed with it. 
Right, I thought so. I thought I couldn't remember the specific reason why they were obsessed with it. I knew they were they were heavy about that. But it's it's stuff like that. Like they come up with these bizarre ideas, like like you know the the evil doctors with their grasping hands, you know, like might be able to hear a dog whistle in the background, are like coming to go and get your kids, and then they'll do stuff to your kids, and suddenly your kid will be different. And it's it's that kind of idea which is used to like put political pressure on a bunch of random doctors and instead of being a centrally directed bird it's like this like kind of like hyper reactionary like karen slash brexit mum right wing weird bullshit which they're directing against doctors and stochastic it, it, karenism yeah it's it's stochastic purging mm. so yeah this is the this is the thesis which we got which is like lysenko is like um an arch pseudoscientist con man who engaged in like very proactive purging and was like deliberately pushing this very specific concept within a within like a grand uh, political ideology, a grand world like view of the world down to its down to its business. Um, whereas Blanchard is like a postmodern version of this, where he's essentially a jumped up self help guru who's trying to sell his book. He's just the yeah he's the academic equivalent of that. And he's kind of like drifted into being important to this like ideological group of reactionary people who hate LGBT people, specifically trans people, and think that they're all like paedophilic vampire assassins out to steal young Timmy and turn young Timmy into a girl. Yeah, and and and, and the thing is, is like Lysenko. Um... He, he did have this effect on, like he had this huge power and, and led to the death indirectly, millions upon millions of people because Lysenkoism was adopted by Chinese communists, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah like, Lysenkoism became, it became critical to like most of the Marxist-Leninist efforts at doing mass agriculture because it was literally considered to be part of the materialist ideology. And there's all sorts of like weird stuff um, uh, to do with to do with like how they interpreted materialism because at that point it was it had all these weird things that were going on where the materialists were wedded to particular concepts or like the the, the Marxist Leninist materialists were wedded to particular concepts about how like literal physical particles behaved and this this caused all kinds of like weird bullshit with the physics with the physicists um, where they were unwilling to to grab to like grapple with concepts like quantum mechanics. Or concepts like, can you split an atom? Is it anti-Marxist to conceive of being able to split an atom? That kind of thing. I mean, they were right about a lot of science and that a lot of it is like either directly or in aid of an imperialist project, but they were not right about crops or atom. Uh, but no, but, but, but his, 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 his ideology, if he didn't have this power, would just be absolutely laughable. Like, um, Vavilov, everyone's favorite Vavilov um she like mentored him and was like oh this poor dude he's trying I'll give him some help bless him little did he know he would end up dying in a gulag thanks to him it's just it's, it's and, and for, the, for the benefit of the of the of the listener in this weird little tale that we're spinning um Vavilov is the equivalent of like the mythical good doctor at the gender clinic who actually wants to help you doesn't want to secretly shag you and will give you the skittles um, 
and what he basically did was he was he was like the predecessor well kind of not really the predecessor but like he was the preeminent um soviet like plant biologist slash agronomist he was he was like someone who had lived through the big famines he was obsessed with bringing up crop yields obsessed with like the stability of the soviet food supply he didn't want people to starve and because he was determined to do this and was willing to like bring anyone who was committed to this project into the fold which he believed at one point early on he believed included lysenko he eventually got sucker punched because lysenko was this complete political animal this absolute like star wars villain style bastard who turned around and stabbed him in the back and had him sent to a gulag where he died in the middle of World War II. Which I guess <laughs> is the equivalent of, of like a bunch of turfs having the one good doctor fire. Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, arguably you could, <clears throat> I would not compare any of the, uh, of the uh, gender clinicians currently working to Vavilov. No, uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a conceptual argument. But what I will say is I do think the Tufts have advanced their concerns as if this is published in any timely manner, anyone who does bother to listen will possibly have seen the news about the government scaremongering about trans healthcare for children and about trans healthcare in general. Um, <clears throat> part of the reason they've been able to get this far, I do think, is because some gender clinicians have, you could say, capitulated or even just in good faith tried to listen to these safeguarding concerns and now suddenly you've got the government saying, oh, we're going to shut down quack doctors. And yeah, why the turf quack doctors? I'm aware there has not been a single quack doctor. Well, there have, been, there have been doctors operating outside of the, and this is where you can say capitulation, because there have been doctors operating outside of the gender clinic, uh, out of big, outside of big gender, outside of um, the, the clinic's uh, kind of specific sphere. So there have been endocrinologists and GPs who independently have wanted to help trans people and they have been completely handed out. There was right, one in, the, in the UK context specifically, because right now UK is ground zero for turfitude, mm. um, we're talking about like the NHS structure, which is in many ways fundamentally decentralized, particularly when it comes to like independent doctors, GPs, that kind of thing. Whereas for like specific hospitals, and clinics, it might be slightly more centralized, which is which is why that it is even possible for these people who are notionally quack doctors, almost certainly aren't, to exist. But also, this is the problem with the with the gender clinics is that they are very centralized. So but what um, I mean is they're internally centralized. Uh yes yeah yeah and then when there are when there are doctors outside of that, they are dismissed as being quack doctors, and and there have been multiple doctors now who have been utterly hounded out by turfs uh, and cannot practice anymore at all um, for the crime of trying to give people healthcare without any barriers. And, and, and the gender clinics have kind of been allowing that to happen because they want to, some of them are like Blanchard, like horny for the people they're meant to be treating. And so even though we don't live in the Soviet Union and we don't, you know, trans healthcare is not trying to sort the famine, it's not industrializing agronomy, yeah, it's, like we don't we don't want to be to be in, too insulting about the comparison. Like, admittedly, like as as we said, like Lysenko like deliberately killed people, and yeah. this is it, it, arguably it's a very hyperbolic comparison. 
Yeah, but 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 at the same time, they are the the what is concerning and the the reason that the comparison can be made is that because of people like Blanchard, trans healthcare is now uniquely weak to stop stochastic Karenism, which really is not an issue you see in most healthcare. You do with reproductive healthcare, but like it's kind of it's not it's not unique, but it is it is kind of a. a canary in the coal mine or a knife's edge for politicizing science right now yeah i i guess in that sense and i don't think that i'm not saying this in reference to the specific people in the specific demographics but i almost because like i this wouldn't necessarily apply to every karen or every turf but i almost feel like it's it's some it's, it's some kind of like unintentional Shout like mirror over mirror over mirror of the of the climate change debate when they were getting super weird about scientists then, which was something that happened like a few years ago. Oh, like um, we've like well, it's kind of similar to the whole we've had enough of expert kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it that I don't feel was particularly aimed at the medical community. No, no, no. Although if you if you remember um, what was it David Nutt the 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 drugs advisor. Oh, David Nutt. Yeah, he, he, he is a great example of that because he had this incredible science that uh, was just utterly buried by the government because it, he was like, oh, you should decriminalize a lot of drugs. Alcohol is really bad, though. We shouldn't be drinking alcohol and yeah. everyone lost their minds. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking alcohol right now, so far be it for me to say anything. But yeah, that, 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 it's effectively that kind of model of like, well, the scientists say that the moon will squash my mum but actually i don't think that's right because i'm very emotionally attached to my mum and the moon could never squash her ergo i'm going to get the daily mail comment section to ruin your child's life because you're a scientist yeah it's 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 kind of like um it is again like i'm not making a literal comparison but in terms of the purges being like very cruel it, it it really it really there are similarities in the sense that like they talk about wanting to safeguard children and uh any any child who is unlucky enough to be related to one of these people is subject to to utter utter horror and they try and inflict it on as many other children as they can um because what then emotionally attached to is not an actual child they're attached to like the mythical kind of eugenicist ideal of a child because obviously this also does link into uh, eugenicist ideals. Yes, of, yes, uh, very much so. And th this, is, this is the real reason why we're doing the, the podcast. If we ever get to episode four, I feel we'll probably get like two more episodes once we run out, before we run out of ideas. But to explain, the core concept of this podcast is to link fascistic, pseudoscientific, or cult-like concepts to turfism and explain how there's a neat little psychological and political ecology going on there where they're both kind of like feeding on each other's tales like Jormungandr or something and this is the real reason we're doing it as well in the sense that like this is um this is all quite horrible stuff and most trans people don't like paying close attention to it for absolute good reason um and most people aren't also weird politics nerds sorry em um or insane which is me um, and 
I don't, I haven't seen a lot of this stuff being linked, even as uh, TERFs have started coming out with, you know, ridiculous racial conspiracy theories, which is another, another time. People yeah. are kind of there's, stuck. There's a, whole, there's a whole, like, white baby thing going on with TERFs, for sure. Which is something yeah, but... which we should cover in an entire other episode, because I feel like the baby concept is very core to their whole thing. Yeah, the, 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 the mythical white baby, which is, it's specifically mythical as well as with any fascism, because fascism is a death cult. But like, like I said, like when they do have trans or gender non-conforming children, they treat them in horrific ways. They do not care about real children. They do not care about real mums. They do not care about real doctors. It is all a myth. Um, similarly, if Lysenko cared about any of his plants, he wouldn't have killed them by doing stupid shit to them. Wait, it's not similarly because plants aren't people, but well, I mean, I've, I've... He, he, did, <laughs> he did care about the plants. He was just fucking incompetent. That, you don't have to be a fancy gardener. You can be a gardener in the 30s and still not think that you can make plants grow in the winter by making them a bit cold sometimes. The thing I wanted to bring up about Lysenko is, and like specifically in relation to the comparison to, to Blanchard's type, type pseudoscientific figures in the Turkey. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a rhetorical question and I'm going to explain my background for it. Right. Um, to what degree do you perceive self-knowledge in their intellectual failings? And the background for this is um, when Lysenko was on the way down after, the, after Stalin had died, they kind of slowly shuffled him into obscurity. They actually let him hang on in the positions of power after Stalin had gone for really quite a long time because he was really powerful. It just wasn't worth the fight. Um, but they eventually got rid of him because it was getting stupid. Like, it was just getting embarrassing. And during the, okay, this guy is embarrassing, try, time to let everybody vent process, which they would always do in these kinds of situations, it emerged that, like, his like early successes and his early successes were about this this like concept of um vernalization which is where you you kind of like trick a plant into thinking that it's spring which is a thing you can do you can like freeze your saplings in the freezer for a couple of hours and they think that the first frost has happened and then they start putting out shoots or whatever um that is a thing that happens he thought that you could do this on like a species-wide level or at least he claimed that he thought he could and his early claims to fame were him basically writing papers and claiming that he had done this with wheat. And during his downfall, it emerged that basically what he had done is he had gone to his dad's farm, got his dad to bury a whole bunch of grain for the winter, planted a bunch of fields at the wrong time of year, dug up the grain of the critical period, presented it as proof of success, and but it was basically like, well, Bob's your uncle. Soviet science has done it again, lads. And if this if this story is true, and that's genuinely what happened, and I have no reason to believe that that is not what happened, that indicates to me that he knew that quite a lot of the stuff that he was saying was bullshit, and that he essentially had like a psychological complex, which meant that he didn't care and was too invested in the fact that he wanted to prove this idea that he believed in in like a capital B belief way but knew was false he wanted to prove that but had to do cons to do it which I feel like is very and without wishing to be patronizing here I feel like it's a very religious way of thinking um and I wonder if like that degree of like 
deflected self-knowledge is something that you perceive as being present within like the pseudoscientific bastardized medical sections of turf ideology and even with specific individuals like Blanchard. I do think there is some element, specifically with Blanchard, I think that there is some element of zealotry, but in his case, it is, and I am not even joking when I say this, this is not a funny bit. He is entirely blinded by his weird, horny complex um, to the point where uh, he probably doesn't even know what he thinks. With, with, the, with, with, with you know, with turfs, with, with stochastic Karens, I, I do think they have this innate disgust that they just try and rationalize in whichever way. And, and, and this is the problem with, you know, d d debating people is that every time you knock down a rationalization, they find a new one because they, they believe that they are absolutely right to have this disgust. Right, right, exactly. They are, they are, they are, um, the, they're, they're the, the people from that infamous incident with, with Gordon Brown. You know the one, yeah, the one where Gordon Brown was like on the, the the campaign trail before he got annihilated by David Cameron, and he he like ran into this like pensioner lady, and it resulted in this infamous hot mic moment where he called her a racist old woman after getting back into the car and talking to her about immigration, and I feel like there's this like within like the 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 white conservative. Um, suburban ideology of Britain, particularly England, um, there's like the silent BNP voter, and I'm not saying that ne that woman necessarily was one because she wasn't as racist as people can be in Britain. But like, I feel like there's a certain element of like the silent BNP voter type of racism. That kind of that kind of way of thinking about racism is duplicated in a way that a lot of like turfs think about their turf stuff. In that it's just like it's it's pure vitriol. It's like a very kind of like basic, theoryless vitriol. Yeah, it's just base disgust. Yeah, um, which is, is another is another little thing which I was which I think is something we should probably like devote another episode to, which is that there's not really much turf theory in the broad sense. Like there's quite a lot of jargon like radical feminist turf writing from like particular intellectual figureheads but it's not a theoretically deep movement no unlike the modern fascist movement particularly in america where there's a lot of theoretical weirdos and, and they also they, they they will kill their own theoretical darlings uh they recently did this with julie bindle um because she stepped out of line and yeah, i remember that what was it what was it she did uh, I think it was basically, she was like, you're being a bit homophobic, if I remember correctly, because there was a big wave of that um, where they doubled down on the silent, well, it was never silent, but the, the, the easily sidestepped homophobia, they doubled down on, and then people kind of went, oh, this is a bit much, isn't it? Because the other thing about TERFs is that they, they're more and more radicalised. Um, and yes, in terms of like... They've, they've gone through some kind of radicalization, radicalization spiral. Yeah, uh, particularly over the last eighteen months, like it's a very, very recent phenomenon. And I do think it has something to do with. Um, again, this might be like completely hyperbolic, but like Lysenko, the more and more power he got, it, it wasn't enough to to work alongside people who actually believed in you know genetics. Um, 
and kind of disagree with them. As he got more and more power, they, he got them murdered and he got them killed. And it is this kind of thing of you start huffing your own farts so much, you can't breathe oxygen. Right, because um, like in today's world, what would have happened and does happen to a man like Lysenko is that he doesn't go to the top of the tree of like the American Department of Agriculture. He doesn't become, okay, I guess actually he could become the Secretary of Agriculture these days because things have gone a bit off the rails. But yeah, like in 10, in 10 years, we could have our equivalent of Lysenko. The, the, the modern equivalent of Lysenko is in, in agriculture terms is like climate nihilism, which is just so universal that it's scarcely worth mentioning. Um, but like that kind of individual these days becomes a middle of the road con man and they sell a few books and they do cons and occasionally, very occasionally they, they get prosecuted but most of the time they just go on Oprah yeah and this is what I meant by the weakness of, the, of like the healthcare big, the big gender obelisk is that it's about power. It's not about how ridiculous your ideas are. It's, a, it's about power because once you have the power, you can start offing people uh, either professionally, in the case of um, the doctors now, or literally in the, in the case of, you know, Vavilov. Um, and it doesn't matter how logical your opponents are. Uh, once you get the power, people get more radicalized and also have, have their own thoughts, but also just no one can stop them, you know, creating their own echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like because because it's um it because it's a positive feedback loop. Like the whole the whole like turf architecture is this giant positive feedback loop of, of self radicalization in in much the same way that um various other forms of like fascist radicalization systems work because radicalization is isolating. And this is a thread that comes up very, very frequently with turfs is that they'll, they'll say that they've lost friends or they've lost their family. Like Graham Linham is the infamous example of this because he's like, he's lost his entire family due to Twitter posting. And this is also something you see mimicked with like very, very diehard Trump people, the people who like travel around and follow his, his rallies as if it's a Grateful Dead concert. Or who are into QAnon, and they'll say like, "Well, I've lost contact with all my family. They just won't talk to me anymore because I'm too into QAnon," which is something you hear repeatedly, over and over again from these people. And it's very, very tragic. And it's this classic thing that centrally organized cults put a lot of effort into doing, um, because uh, the competent cult leader knows that if you can snip somebody off from their family and and like get them into this cycle of, of, of like one belief begetting another belief then it'll create a like an isolate like an isolation spiral where their family will think okay julie's found this weird religion it's a bit weird and then the next month it's like julie's being really really like outspoken about this new religion that's a bit weird i'm going to talk to her a little bit less it's getting annoying and then three months after that it's like god we don't have to have julie over again she'll start talking to us about like the cult of bugs that she's into and a year on from that it's like we can't talk to Julie anymore. She makes us feel unsafe. And that, that dynamic keeps happening with QAnon people and it keeps happening with TERFs. And although TERFism isn't a centralized political system, it's not a cult, well, it is a cult, but it's not a centralized cult, it's a stochastic cult. It feeds into this spiral where because they're becoming increasingly isolated because of their beliefs, they have this bunker mentality, they feel they're being attacked. And 
it increases the it increases the intensity of belief it increases the intensity of kinship that they feel with other turfs and it becomes a self-generating political organism and it fucks them all and that's i feel like one of the like key dynamics in fascism it turns up in other political ideologies as well but the thing is what's interesting to note is the factors that make these mini cults pop up again or the radicalization spiral to kind of really floor on the accelerator which is what's happening now uh, and when it hasn't like uh you know turfs have been around for fucking ages and like jermaine greer who was one of the you know, big turfs on campus it used to be a lot of academics and random people and like some grumpy american lesbians uh and now you've got prosecco stormfront which is how people refer to mumsnet you know it's, it's everywhere yeah. but within that Every time there is a new figurehead, no matter how quickly that figurehead is discarded, it spawns new mini cults. So the Heritage Foundation, the um, right-wing evangelical organization, because they bankrolled- That's the one that was doing all the dark money stuff, which is another thing we have. Yeah, um, but what's interesting about that is you saw, they've, they have now, because that, that happened, and um, in what happened because of it, is as soon as people had access to these kind of material or this power essentially you saw all these mini cults form and now you're seeing the fallout of it because you're seeing a, quite a lot of turfs who got really radicalized suddenly leave and their stories seem to have in common that they were abused by mini cult leaders who were just given a little a little snippet of that power um and so most of the karens are just going around being hateful and, and being isolated but within that a few of them decide to be mini tyrants in the turf kingdom and they do some purges and they and they and they kidnap some people and and that and this just keeps happening and the real worry is that this is, seems to have happened with someone or a few people in both the main british political parties um yeah which is i definitely get this sense from the way you know how silence speaks volumes and yeah. an action speaks a thousand words? I feel like the inaction of certain the inaction of certain significant political figures within the British political mainstream has spoken a thousand volumes. Yeah, and, and most Tories don't really care about trans people in the sense that, you know, they don't care about most of the population. No, it's it's most it's most significant and not like the most uh, significant in terms of the exertion of power. But it's most significant in terms of blatancy when you yeah. look at, when you look at Labour and the Lib Dems and the Greens. But also, what's interesting is that the silence doesn't just speak volumes in terms of you know I, how how do I as a trans person feel safe. It also speaks volumes in the sense of if you are slightly clever in any way, uh, which some of them must be, some of the people in government must be. Otherwise, how can they do all the backstabbing? They must realize that if you allow this ideology to take hold, because again, in regards to the Heritage Foundation, lots of groups clearly use uh, anti-trans ideology as a foothold for rolling back of general gay rights, women's reproductive rights, general medical autonomy. You know, the fact that they're all silent in, in, and, and they allow this little thing to come through the door, knowing what follows it is also very interesting and terrifying to me not just as a trans person but just in general like do you guys really not care clearly uh and, and that's where the power really will take hold because if people won't say anything against uh trans stuff even just to nip it quietly in the bud 
then they're clearly very happy for whatever follows to happen. I have, I have like a theory about something you mentioned earlier on in this little thing you've just gone on um, about like the fact that it was originally like an academic thing, like an academic curiosity, this whole concept. And then it suddenly mm. became not an academic curiosity. Um, yeah, I have an idea about that, uh, if you will. Basically, what I think the connection is, um, and I'm not saying that this is the specific mechanical one, but that, that, that this was the kind of process that went through. That, that went through. Um, and you'll be familiar with this because you also grew up in the same internet culture that I did. Is that I think, I think the same thing happened to turfism has happened to weirdos like you and me where essentially they got tumblr radicalized either tumblr or some equivalent of tumblr and i'm not necessarily saying that it was mumsnet because that would be the obvious choice but it could be mumsnet no it was tumblr tumblr yeah, was a tough this, this is the thing is that is that like i think it was tumblr tumblr yeah, was. tumblr was the was the the in petri disc where we grew the yeast that that turned into the the loaf of turfism you don't grow yeast in a all right <laughs> i know that look we're recording this at 44 minutes past midnight what do you want from me poetry <laughs> no no no. I, I, I can't believe i couldn't stop myself from being pedantic about yeast um no, it was Tumblr. There's, there was, I, I, I wish I could find it. There was someone who basically traced all of this discourse, which came from Tumblr and came from Tumblr radicalized people. And also, you know, people link it to something awful and it's on Twitter. But, but a lot of this early discourse, especially this Tumblr radicalized feminism and Tumblr radicalized queer theory, the reason that Tumblr teens kept reinventing trans misogyny is that they were basically fed a diet of stuff that was the same rhetoric, like was, tra was trans misogynistic rhetoric. Because at the end of the day, the turfs hate all trans people, but they don't hate me as much as they hate trans women. It's, it's a trans misogynist thing based on this hatred of the perceived degenerate male. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it like literally did come from there. Yeah, and I so think a lot of- Constantly seeing people my age, people who I like related to, or, or like people who are like my friends or who I followed and had like a very like long-standing internet relationship with um, get into these like really like traumatizing fights over very esoteric turf theoretical concepts. Yeah, and it's where you get like people who would have these like fallouts over, you know, it's abstracted when you get to like fictional characters and stuff, but it would, yeah, it would be fallouts over whether this kind of character was like a small bean or whether it was actually misogyny to, you know, be mean to Hannibal from the show Hannibal because he was doing lots of murders. Um, yeah, which is like, this, shit is like that. Thing, this is the thing, is, is like there was this bizarre system where, where people, people were like venerating non-existent human beings to the expense of real people they were arguing with who were they were essentially like bullying. And it, it's, it's almost, it's almost like that has gone through like several stages of metastasization and mutation, where now um, the turf organism no longer lives primarily in, in like the minds of like trans misogynists on Tumblr who are interpreting like bizarre sections of radical feminist theory from the 1970s. It now, it now lives in like Stormfront Prosecco drinking Karens um, 
who are, who are interpreting completely different things, but who are still applying that same kind of generalized uh, concept where, like, they're brutalizing real people for the same for the sake of an abstract that does not exist except it's no longer fucking like it's no longer like this a very very like filtered version where it's hannibal and you're being problematic to hannibal because hannibal is 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 a sweetie pie and is in all van art you're now like corrupting little timmy and trying to turn little timmy into a girl mm. And those weird doctors are going to cut off little Timmy's balls. I'm enjoying the character of little Timmy. It's, it's, it's to relate it very, ta- like in a very circly way back to Lysenko and back to Blanchard and back to crime scientists who are doing bad things. It really is this thing of like the science will out and this kind of like weird, the, t- the, the sort of Tumblr petri dish was almost. A, a, a fertile breeding ground not necessarily directly for the people who would become turfs but so that the backlash against the original teen like majority teenage girls um which happens with every you know teen subculture it's always it's always terrible when teenage girls are doing it but the backlash against it then informed the turf stuff in that if you get all of these teenagers um spewing just like this horrible stuff whilst also being teenagers that is going through the very vulnerable and very important process of figuring out who they are and what their morals are you get to have this perfect window into the minds of these people in a way to utterly destroy them because a lot of the turf arguments about um you know one of their famous kind of pseudoscientific arguments is that the majority of transmasculine people um, are actually either lesbians or autistic or both, um, and that would really fuck with a kid. That yeah, really fuck with a kid. Like you're 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 like fourteen. You're you're on the internet. You're you're only your only like social outlet is you know, Tumblr or Twitter or Discord or whatever. And you're being subjected to this like fucking like trombone of noise that is just blasting at you, saying that actually. You don't have this incredibly like difficult to conceptualize series of issues that you need to you need to like square with in order to understand like how your gender identity works within the within the prisms that we are capable of culturally using to understand it. Actually, what it is is that you're a freak and you can get fucked, and like that's so powerful and it's it's so overwhelmingly powerful to someone who's so weak. Yeah, how did they come up with it? It's it's that they, they made a little playground and they got to watch people and conduct their own essentially ginormous social experiment and that's paid massive, massive, massive dividends. Like people talk about how the pseudoscience around um, trans people is, you know, homophobia warmed over, it's section 28 warmed over and you can make these parallels and not disputing them. But there is this other element where it's like, where are you getting these like, Turfs are very stupid because they're all middle class, well not all, but like majority middle class, majority suburban, majority like white Anglo English Karens. Where are they getting these sick pens from? It's a very wasp ideology. Yeah, but there are these outposts of things that are incredibly hurtful and they clearly didn't just think of them off the bat. Like they clearly watched and learned all of us like very clumsily as young people trying to figure this stuff out. 
Right. So this is the thing. This is the this is the thing where I think your deployment earlier of the term stochastic becomes rather critical, because the word stochastic has been popularized in like the modern political glossary by the stochastic terrorism concept. Oh, am I using it incorrectly? No, you're using. I as far as I can tell, you're using it completely correctly. But the, the the point I the point I'm trying to make is that they they their ability to exert this particular quality and quantity of power is an emergent phenomenon from an ongoing stochastic process. So they didn't they didn't start out being capable of exerting these these powers have developed as a result of another feedback loop. It's all feedback loops. It's kind of like it being all turtles all the way down. If it was flat Earth, and these people are essentially flat Earthers with gender, well. It's all feedback loops all the way down. They they didn't start out with this level of power. They started out as a like terrorism as a as a as a political organism started out as an obscure ideological academic sect, um, and that academic sect had particular qualities, and was able to intersect with particular concepts that meant that it had a catalytic effect within certain online subcultures, particularly. Uh, in websites like Tumblr, and because it had this catalytic catalytic effect, where you know a quantity of material was available to do work on, and a particular kind of reaction was physically possible with that material, but there needed to be an input of a particular type of energy to cause that reaction. That's what a catalytic effect is. Um, they fulfilled that catalytic role. The, the fascist reactionary nature of terrorism was the was the particular kind of reaction that was capable was capable of happening. The material was like a bunch of dispossessed and alienated Tumblr people. This stuff existed as a sort of ideological sleeper cell within radical feminist feminist academics that has now blossomed into becoming a reactionary ecosystem. And in the process of it blossoming, it was capable of, of like conceiving of and engaging in experiments experiments in this giant like playground of like abused subjects and that's how it gained the ability to do what you're describing and the thing is to make a comparison which i don't think is wrong although i am not uh you know i'm not jewish i'm not a traveler but like the in the 30s the rise of fascism did go after trans people very early on and it is kind of similar in that there was a people started off going, hmm, I don't know how I feel about, you know, all of this kind of like lefty stuff. And it went from being obscure to like, suddenly you've got an entire health in health facility being burned and uh, being destroyed and, and a bunch of books being burnt and a bunch of people rounded up. But that happened because of other feedback loops happening at the time. If that comparison makes sense. I feel, I feel like that's correct. Because like, my predilection towards describing things as feedback loops, which I'm sure will come up quite frequently as we continue in this podcast, because it's just a, a, a concept I like to I like to use a lot. Um, I don't think it should distract from the fact that feedback loops do not exist in a vacuum. It's not just something that you see on a chalkboard where someone like draws a square and an arrow comes out of it and curves up towards another square, and an arrow comes out of that square and curves back towards the first square. That's not how it works. The reality is, is that um, if you're looking at the storm in the teacup, the atoms are all hitting each other all of the time. The heat is always there. The feedback, feedback loop never exists in that conceptual vacuum. Turfs never exist in that conceptual vacuum. And this entire process, which we've, which we've described as it, from our perspective happening in Tumblr and similar online communities, 
did not happen solely with the input of Tumblr teams and weird turf logic and um, some reactionary weirdos. There was also output from the outside. There was output from people's like families. There was output from like existing Western gender ideologies. There was all that stuff. And it, it created something I literally think is an ecology. An ecology in the same way that like the soil is an ecology where there's bacteria in it and the bacteria like eat each other and die and they eat the roots and they like the roots like then have access to more of a particular mineral and it means that particular kinds of plants can, can flourish. Well, in this case, the, the plant that happened to flourish was a highly toxic and invasive weed. I mean, in the analogy you're describing, the soil bacteria are all fascist. Well, Which, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that like fascism is like an, is like a, a, within the wealth of human experience, what we now describe as fascism has been something that has been able to appear in, in you know, it's it. You know, fascism is a subset of, of of violent reactionary ideology, of violent reactionary politics. And although fascism is generally conceived of as being something that came in in the modern capitalist era within like the last 300, 400 years, other structurally similar forms of reactionary ideology have always existed and always been able to rear their heads within human society. Yeah, whenever there's some kind of issue with access to resources, it seems like that's, that, it's always like, oh, some form of fascism is going to rear its head. Right, right. It's 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 something that feeds on particular dynamics, and if if those dynamics, uh, you know, appear as a result of historical systems, then fascism appears as something that feeds on those historical systems and becomes a system in its own right. And we're in general, you and I are contending that perfism, the form or subset of fascism, like it's an esoteric fascism. It's well, both esoteric. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. Well, like basically, I think that 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 same that same dynamic applies that. That there, there, there was material to work on, um, and a score took root. It's even when you look at it. Uh, I have an unnamed friend who, back when flat flat Earth, as you were mentioning earlier, back when it was a fun jape, um, a lot of people who didn't actually believe in flat Earth stuff were really active in flat Earth fan communities. And this unnamed unnamed friend was a very high up moderator in some kind of forum, and they said that what was very upsetting and in hindsight entirely predictable but at the time not at all to see was that it started off as like a poster's joke and what very quickly allowed it to become like nazi hell is the simple fact that for fun and games everyone had to deal with the fact that the, the rhetorically you had to suspend your disbelief and allow for certain things to be debated that actually aren't debatable like you know the earth is not flat we can't debate that and you see this a lot with other reactionary ideologies in that you know um white supremacists uh suddenly want to debate that races are unequal and and turf suddenly want to debate that all of these all of these truths about varying experiences can actually be slotted into two biological sex slash genders and once you allow for that to happen, people just go absolutely hog fucking wild with it. And it seems like what goes from a poster's jape to, you know, horrific consequences just seems to be related to another feedback loop. When, when, when... Which is what, just happened, at some point, which is what happened to Lysenko. Yeah. Because, because in reality, like, 
you and I are not subscribers to the great man theory of history. Neither of us, I think, really think that um, Trofimosenko was, was like a titan astride the world. The reality was he was a local con man who tried to come up with like some kind of like bonkers theory where you could get like loads and loads of grain during the winter and it would help all the friends. And he, he wanted reset currents. Right. He did this to get clout and it got out of hand. And the system that you have just described essentially happened to him. It's when you allow people, it, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's clout, which you could describe as, you know, um, social capital or power or whatever. When you have clout, the fun in japes stop being fun in japes. Right, because when, if, he had, if he had been born now, he would have become a self-help book guru, which would have, yeah. helped, would, would have kept him in a nice little kettle of, well, it's bad and he is conning people and is abusive, but it's close enough to being fun and japes that it's not society, it's not like destructive on a society-wide level. And when you take that view and you look at what is and isn't, you know, in the category of what we're saying is japes, which if is it, wide, a wide category, given that we've just described self-help guru con men as gates. Yeah, but in terms of in terms of very very abusive. Yeah, no. In terms of in terms of wider societal impact, it's not a moral impact; it's more of a statistical one. Um, so, if you have little statistical impact, which I'm going to call japes, obviously, it is not fun to scam people and abuse them. Um, but what you think of is that if if, if what goes from a jape to a horrific regime is essentially randomized. The only thing that's worth looking at is why certain japes gain traction and why certain things gain clout. Uh, in, 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 in a time of famine, it was agronomy. Now it's, it's, you know, it's hating people with blue hair. And why is that? Right. Here's the thing. Um, I have an answer to that question. Um, oh dear. And our boy Lysenko is going to fucking hate it. Can you guess what it is? No. It is natural selection applied to political memes. Right. So the reason why Trofim Lysenko as a political person was able to gain that kind of success and the reason why terrorism has been able to gain this kind of political success is because the meme is self-sustaining and I'm not going to try and get into like 4chan meme, meme magic here, but it is, it is essentially um, natural selection applied to political ideologies as organisms swimming within the body politic. And that is, that is what it has come down to. And perfism has political evolutionary traits, which have enabled it to become powerful within the current living environment for political organisms. Yeah, it taps into it taps into people's fears right now. Right, and it's it's like it's it's. I feel like it's like very perverse and also also like a highly appropriate conclusion for our first episode to come to. That the thing that Lysenko was wrong about explains why both him and his modern iteration have become so absurdly successful. Unfortunately, it also means that we are. Uh... <laughs> we're platforming uh, Dick Dawkins, uh, which is another crime. God, I know. Like, it's fucked. Like, that's the only thing he's ever been right about as well. Uh, he was right about the honey. Truly, we do not live in a free society. <laughs> if a man <laughs> cannot bring his, his, his you know, apiary, his apiary-based uh, 
items anywhere he pleases. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is the most absurd thing about the Richard Dawkins honey incident is that he was right about all of it, and he still fucked it up. Oh! But this is the other thing, actually, to go back to, because Dick, Dick Dawkins is a, is a reactionary, and he's, he's racist, and he's xenophobic. And, is and, he a turf? I feel like he's a turf. He must you know, be. He must be. I don't fucking know, but he must be. Um... Because he's obsessed with all of that, like evolutionary biology type uh, evo psych bullshit, isn't he? He's, yeah. I bet, I bet he gets really weird about trans stuff. And 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 turfism and Islamophobia also go hand in hand because. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the whole there's the whole oh they'll throw you off buildings type thing, isn't there? Yeah, and and the Western obsession with Islamophobia is like the most the the, the best the best way you can express it and still get a seat at the dinner table is through this faux feminism like uh you know uh hijabs are, are mind controlled devices and, and and things like that um i haven't seen any turf stuff i, I mean he's a remainer isn't he so like maybe he doesn't like them oh i don't know there are a lot of a lot of remain type people are turfs oh no hang on he's a turf june 24th i resisted harry potter until recently but have been lured into buying the audiobooks by the fact that they're incomparable, Stephen Fry reads them. I must say they are great fun. J.K. Rowling is a great storyteller. Uh, so yeah, he's that's interesting timing for that. That implies he is in some very specific WhatsApp chat group. Yeah, it's also upsetting that he's clever enough to make a dog whistly tweet because everyone else has gone full fucking mask off with J.K. Rowling. She went yeah. mask off. She spent yeah, years. Like, if, if, our, if you and I are like our conspiracy theory minded brain have actually the, the, the kernel of purposeism in that single industry, then it does at least indicate that he has political intelligence that is one or two rungs above the standard work idiot. Yeah. Um, I was making a point and I've completely, completely forgotten it. Um, I mean, my, my, point, my point is that I feel like we have put the intellectual icing on the cake. We did it. We solved it. Yeah, racism's over. It's like that fucking Kate Beaton comic. Oh, that was it. Fucking Angela, uh, the one who wrote about the left being bad. Uh, uh, kill all normies. Angela, Angela uh, God. Nagel. Nagel, that's the one, yes. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, Angela Nagel wrote a book called Kill All Normies, which essentially, oh. from a red-brown kind of workerist perspective, tries oh. to figure out why the left is failing. And Nagel herself famously is shit on trans stuff, because of course she is. She's also shit on other things, like, she's you know... She's just not very smart. She's just not very good at anything. But what's interesting about her book is, she is obsessed with the cringe Tumblr left. And I do yes. think... Yes, like, like, very obsessed. Very, very obsessed. Obsessed yeah. in the same way that, like, Ben Shapiro is obsessed with calling people triggers. But this is the thing about the the, the petri dish the pe yeah, the petri dish of the tumbler milieu is that yeah. it provided such rich such a rich vein not just for turfs but for everyone in in a sense it is the most successful political project of the right internet like gab has fucking nothing on tumblr um yeah, no, nobody uses gab yeah like, whereas like in, in people reality, still use reality, like gab gab and, and, and parlay have you seen parlay yeah it's like it's like the new shite gap um like those those are both like very very crap clone essentially and like the reality is, is a lot of the modern fascist movement was just as much influenced by tumblr as it was by 4chan 
Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I would argue in many cases more so, particularly the one that we're talking about. Yeah, especially because um, it, it worked both ways, right? You had the teens stumbling around accidentally doing fascism because they related too hard to a fictional character. And then to an aesthetic concept. Yeah, and then you had, and then you had, of course, like you have on, you know, 4chan, something awful, Twitter, whatever. You're always going to have people who get caught in the radicalization spiral anywhere on the internet because the internet is kind of fundamentally bad. But it also on the other side of it was a perfect piece of material for low rent right wing grifters. And because it was easy, low hanging fruit, these grifters proliferated and here it enters the mainstream because everyone's talking about it and so people have to spend their fucking time debating everyone or at the very least dunking them on twitter.com and it's just like just like that you've managed to use it's it's like the fucking it's like the the recent episode of trash feature on reverse factoring and that they managed to turn the very supply chain itself into money it's like you've managed to turn a teenager's quest for self-actualization into political currency right one of the outputs of that whole thing is the destruction of that very self-actualization that that teenager was search was searching for they've used that teenager's search for self-actualization to destroy the capacity of that person to ever find it or at least in theory that is what they are attempting to do which brings us back to one of the points of uh, fascism funnily enough do go on uh hang on let me bloody find it uh i mean you could argue that it, it comes from the um it was for several points but the critic you know uh hang on disagreement is a sign of diversity earth fascism grows up and seeks for consensus by exploiting and exacerbating the natural fear of difference fear isn't necessarily a bad thing teenagers are fucking terrified of everything uh because particularly, particularly everything themselves and their bodies Exactly. Everything happens so much, especially a teenager's mind and body. There's too much happening all the time. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's managing to turn this into grist for the mill, both within and without, which is also relating to, you know, the mythical little Timmy, even more fucked up because not only expressing concern for the fictional Timmy, but you're using the fictional Timmy's cries for help you know, as he's trying to figure out what is happening to him, to be like, and yes, this is why we have to do crimes against teens for their we own good. Have to, we have to, do you know what we have to do? Ed? What? We have to secure a future. <laughs> we have to secure a future for Timmy. Yeah, we, we have, have to, to, we we have to, to secure to Timmy's future. <laughs> I can't actually say it. I can't. I can't bring myself. Like I just. I'm gonna. I know. I'm gonna start laughing. But it, it, it's perfect because if you want to, if you want to, because the anti-intellectualism inherent in lots of forms of fascism, it, you pick, by picking teens, by 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 picking like, obviously, uh, everyone thinks they live at the end of history. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Um, uh, I'm not Mark Fisher. Uh, but. Uh, well, not necessarily Mark Fisher, but uh, Nick Land. Um, but it is, it is. I think one thing that is very specific to this iteration of 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 fascist ecologies is that you now have a bunch of teenagers with a huge amount of access to information, and so you've managed to turn 
a bunch of teens into intellectuals because they've right. all been downloading. And it's, it's just very unfair, really, to make a teenager with like a cottage core blog into the degenerate intellectual straw man. Because they 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 got a lot going on, right? And I I I feel like that is the other thing that that like really links fascism fascism is that, is that there is core concept in fascism that the enemy must simultaneously be so powerful and overwhelming that they are the all-consuming like cosmic threat, but also they're so weak and disgusting they must be inherently degenerate and repulsive to anyone who isn't upstanding virile member of the Vogue. Yeah. Which is so inherent to turf understandings of modern millennial and Zoomer queer culture. Yeah, they're both so stupid with their fucking avocado toasts and their TikToks. But they also, you know, have terrifying understanding. And they're tearing down the statues, also tearing down yeah. Timmy's balls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like they have this, they have this incredible understanding of you know guerrilla warfare, and and they're all they're all rich off Soros books, and 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 also you know now turfs are talking about again it's it's for another time, but they're talking about how BLM is funded by Trantifa, trans antifa, um, and it's kind of like they've managed to link it to all of the the usual white supremacist fascism as well, because um, the Soros conspiracies are very anti uh, anti semitic of course. And, yeah. and BLM is, is, is a movement against, you know, police brutality and white supremacism in general. Yeah, and also, also um, it's about, like, uh, because terrorism is so, like, middle class and, 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 like, claims to be very proper, it's about defending, it's about defending this very, like, civic concept. And that's, that's, that, I feel, like, dovetails both into the defense of kids thing and also into the, the like, statue defend type thing which is very very recent phenomenon but it's just like that any potential overlap we see in the future between british and british far-right bullshit i have a feeling there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of overlap which to which which like we're already seeing in part over the whole statue defender thing i mean there was a statue defender um i think it was Anne marie waters wearing an adult human female t-shirt yeah yeah so yeah, shout out to our boys, Ray Blanchard and Stephen Pinto. You've really fucked it, lads. We barely spoke about Blanchard. He's so like he's done he's a real non-entity. Like I feel like the real departure between Lysenko and Blanchard is that Blanchard is a historical non-entity. He's crap. Whereas yeah. Lysenko is 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 really fucking cataclysmic as a as a historical figure. Blanchardism like you said, has had a very long shadow. Blanchard himself is subject of absolute ridicule and has been during his career, whereas Lysenko, it took fucking ages for that to happen. It took two, two regime changes. Yeah. Um, like, that, that I think... It, like if we were to really conclude this episode, what I, what I think we've got to ask ourselves is, if we're approaching this sensibly and scientifically, has our thesis been proven? Are these historical figures really, really conceptually similar? And I think that, like, the place where they fall down is in this, like, direct personal comparison of, their, of the nature of their historical impacts, where, like, clearly they're impacting things in very different ways. But in terms of the type of person they are, where they're, like, partially self-knowing, but ultimately self-denying, 
hyper con men who are in like abusive societal structures where like Blanchard is in like like the postmodern academic um like capitalist neoliberal bullshit and like Lysenko is in like the hyper cult of high Stalinism where you can like make up the most esoteric theories about material science and it will be accepted as a universal truth if you can get the ear of the right people like there's clearly a big like conceptual gulf between these two men and the way in which they were able to pull off the things that they did and there's a big there's a big gulf in terms of like the the ways in which they had these influences but i feel like the nature of the influence they had was structurally similar so i i'm kind of the the opinion that my thesis is like half proven yeah i think we learned something along the way yeah, the real transphobes are the, the lessons you learn. I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, we should also do a disclaimer in the sense that, uh, like I said earlier, turfism is primarily a vehicle for transmisogyny, and neither of us experience transmisogyny. Um, and so if we are going to do a podcast about this, it is worth being like, TM, 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 we're gremlins if we fuck up yell at us or, or some such i mean i feel like if we're going to do if we're going to do a podcast episode about specifically um if we're going to be doing episodes specifically that relate to very very poor transmisogynists realistically we're going to have to pull in help oh absolutely yeah i mean i don't know who 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 will let us yell at them for two yeah, hours who, who can we rope into this complete nonsense uh i'm waiting for people to yell at me <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you have any parting words? Uh, oh, yes, I do. I wanted to relate this all to permaculture because I love permaculture and plants and being trans. Right. And we have been talking about, like, particularly me, I've been talking about the, the ecosystem, political organism. Experience. So it, in, a, in a more bloomer way of viewing the ecosystem, I spoke about big gender, which is my term for the networks of uh, gender clinics which very much do seek to create this kind of like monolith, monolith which doesn't brook any disagreement. And that is partially because some of the people in these clinics are bad actors who do follow Blanchardism. And then it's also partially to do with the, you know, at this point, uh, what is it, a decade, over a decade long campaign of austerity and also the precursor to austerity, thanks to Blair and Brown, and you know, just Britain, Britain being shit and wanting to get rid of the NHS for as long as it's existed. The good thing is that uh, although big gender is awful to trans people and specifically to trans women and specifically to anyone who isn't white, middle-class educated, like permaculture, not everything is a monoculture. Um, so the modern gender clinic system, this kind of big gender has only really existed recently. And this is another thing actually that is why the TERFs are so freaked out is because they think it's come out of nowhere. It hasn't in a sense, trans people have always existed, but it has in the sense that, you know, the Tavistock and Portman uh, Trust and all of the gender clinics in England and to some extent in, uh, in Scotland and Ireland and Wales too, are obsessed with this monoculture of transgender medical care. However, like plants, like permaculture, everyone knows that monoculture is bad and that a diversity of tactics is good. And there are things popping up that are separate. The American system of trans healthcare, where it exists, is set on a much more holistic model. A lot of trans healthcare in America is done through Planned Parenthood. I'm not an expert, but I know American trans people. And that kind of stuff is coming. We are going to get to 
if we don't all die first, uh, a place where you will be able to access medical care that is related to your gender from someone who isn't possibly a clone of Ray Blanchard. There are people who do care and they are setting up systems outside of these current kind of monoliths. And that change is, is coming. And we are, we are gonna get to a point where trans healthcare is more integrated into the community. There's an organization uh, that we both know and love called Queer Care, which does a lot of the um, less medical side of trans healthcare. Uh, and there's also other medics working inside the NHS who are working to make things better. So Vavilov, who Lysenko killed, who, who did a bunch of cool stuff, like there are Vavilovs in the trans healthcare system. That's my style. Yeah, like I think, I think the, the positive summary to this is if, if like the status quo ante has been set by a thousand small Lysenkos that created like turf medical theory, then if we can really get things together, then the future will be made by a thousand small Vavilovs. Yeah, we've all got gardens that we're growing our yams in to make our illegal hormones. That is a joke. Please do not raid my house. You make hormones out of yams? Oh, it's super interesting, actually. Hormones are super, super easy to make. The issue is that testosterone, because it's related to steroids, is a controlled substance. Estrogen, not so much. Yeah, yeah, hence the whole horse piss bollocks. Yeah. yeah, it's not made from horse piss anymore, but you can make basically both estrogen and testosterone from yams, I am pretty sure. I think... Testosterone is ironically made from soy, uh, but I may be wrong. <laughs> yes, you're probably right, actually. <laughs> I did once corner a science nerd who worked in research at UCL, and I was like, what if you made me a crime lab? <laughs> me of the soy milk of your home world. <laughs> yeah, she was really unimpressed, and she also didn't know what I was talking about. So I ruined that party, but hey-ho. Well, uh, yeah, it's all right. You're not into girls, so it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> we, will, we will soon all have our own little uh, e-boy farms. Uh, and, uh, and, that, and that's my future that I want to work towards. Ah, so that, that's the, the future that you're securing? Not of literal e-boys, of, of the soy plants to, 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 make, to make the e-boys. I don't want to farm e-boys. That would be weird. All right, we, we should stop. Yeah, what a fantastic note to end episode one on. It's only going to be an hour and a half long. Disclaimer, I do not want to farm e-boys. This has been a podcast. Over and out. See you next episode.